0: And welcome to The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and I'm flying solo on the intro and outro today as Jeff is in the home stretch of finishing up a freelance project. But you'll have an opportunity to hear him during the interview. But before we get into that, I want to extend a thank you to Eva Sawinski and the wonderful volunteers who put on the Ground Zero Animation Expo this past weekend. It was absolutely fantastic. I had a wonderful time. My dad flew in to help me out with my table, and I just want to say thank you to my dad. Thank you to everyone who visited the table. It was a pleasure to meet each and every one of you. And thank you to everyone who listened to the podcast who stopped by. It was wonderful to get to meet all of you in person, people that I'd seen on Twitter and Instagram. It was so very nice of all of you to stop by. So thank you. And I'm very glad to hear that podcast is benefiting you and that you're learning a lot from it and that it is encouraging you on your journey towards becoming animation professionals. And thank you to everyone who came out to the panels to listen to myself and the other panelists give advice. And thank you to everyone who was on the panel with me. It was so fun to get to meet all of you as well. To all the exhibitors I had an opportunity to meet, it was wonderful to meet you. And to everyone that I didn't have an opportunity to talk to, I look forward to talking to you throughout the year, and also at the next Ground Zero Animation Expo. It really was an amazing time, and I hope that all of you out there will have an opportunity to come see it next year. And that brings me to events that are happening in the Southern California area. And as with all of our events, you can find the links for them in the show notes of this episode, as well as on the website at www.theanimatedjourney.com. So first up, on Thursday, June 14th, CTN Meetup presents Impressions, Guash and Oil Works by Tiffany Meng. And the opening reception will be from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Next up, on Saturday, June 16th, Noman Gallery presents The Art of God of War 2018. This looks really cool. They're going to be having concept and character designs, zebra sculpts environments and more so make sure to check that out it will be from 7 30 pm to 11 pm so make sure to rsvp on their website and then on saturday june 23rd at gallery nucleus they're presenting the art of incredibles 2 and they're going to have several special guests the event is from 2 p.m to 5 p.m so make sure to rsvp on their website and then heading into july Project Anime Los Angeles will be having a series of talks from Tuesday, July 3rd through Wednesday, July 4th, from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then the next day, Anime Expo will be from Thursday, July 5th through Sunday, July 8th, with a preview night on July 4th. Tickets are still available. And then coming up after that, the Big Kahuna Comic-Con International San Diego. You guys know Comic-Con. I know Comic-Con. Everyone knows Comic-Con. That's going to be from Thursday, July 19th through Sunday, July 22nd with a preview night of July 18th. I believe that all of the tickets are sold out, but you never know. If you have a friend or you know a professional or if you can find your way down there, check it out. Comic-Con is awesome. It's a whole lot of fun. And speaking of fun, Loop de Loop had their showcase last Thursday at the Downtown Independent. It was a great deal of fun and Jeff submitted his loop and it was featured in the showcase and you can check it out on the Loop de Loop website. It appears at about the 31 minute mark. So congratulations Jeff for completing that. And if you want to contribute your very own looping animation, the next loop to loop theme is dog and the deadline is July 29th at 1130 PM in your time zone. For more information, make sure to check out their website. Loop to loop is awesome. It's so much fun. You get to meet a lot of very interesting people. The downtown independent is a great venue. I encourage all of you to get out there and make your own looping animation. And speaking of animation and film and television in general, that brings me to our next segment, what we've been watching. And honestly, what with the convention and working and other projects, haven't been watching a whole lot right now. But I did get an opportunity to see Infinity War for the second time. And I have to say, it was better the second time. It's like a fine wine, it gets better with age. I enjoyed it a whole lot more the second time around. So if you haven't seen it or you're thinking, hmm, maybe I should watch it again, watch it again. It's a lot of fun, I really enjoy that movie. And that brings me to today's guest, Leela Martinez. Lila is an amazing artist. She started her own boutique studio when she lived in Mexico. She moved to the United States to pursue animation, and now she works as a storyboard artist. It was a great deal of fun speaking with Leela. She had a lot of excellent advice, a lot of wisdom, and I know that all of you are going to love hearing what she has to say today. So without further ado, we present episode 73, Interview with Lila Martinez. So Lila, it is a pleasure to have you here today. We're very much looking forward to speaking with you. So we always like to ask people about their experiences and your experience is very cool because you, like a couple other guests that we have, are originally from outside the United States. That's really neat. So I was wondering what it was like for you growing up in Mexico City.
1: Well, I used to stay in a lot because the city is kind of like New York in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So you have to be careful where you walk around. And as a woman, it's also it's a little bit more dangerous. So my mom, we used to stay in a lot. And because of that, I used to rent a lot of movies. And I developed a taste on storytelling. And I always wanted to to come here to LA, but for me, it was kind of an unreachable dream. Since I was 12, I knew I wanted to do animation, but I still don't get it that I'm here and it's been (laughs) almost four years now Mm -hmm. and that I was able to study in Canada and stuff. But as long as you know what you want and, and you focus on getting it, you will find a way. But a good thing of coming from there is um, it's a country that you do not have as many resources as you have here in the States, so you have to find your way. In my case, if I wanted to learn about animation, I we don't have the libraries that will have the books, so you will have to buy them, you, you have to get them imported. Back in the 90s, the resources I used was the, the animation magazine, and it was when, when the Iron Giant came up, and when DreamWorks was doing uh, Prince of Egypt and all that stuff and i i started learning about how the industry works here and and it was the first time I, i got a little bit of information of the schools and the industry and how things
0: work that's great and i was really curious I know from your bio, you mentioned, you know, Tex Avery cartoons and Disney movies. And I was wondering, were there any movies or shows in particular that you watched and you went, that's it, that's what I want to be doing?
1: Actually, it was, I remember it was a Sunday morning and I was with my siblings, we were watching TV and it was a Tex Avery special, like about behind the scenes, how cartoons were made, Tex Avery style, and how was his voice that it was focused for a more adult audience, but still kids enjoyed it. and they showed this part that they were recording an actress pretending to do a, a striptease because they were going to do a striptease for a lizard. So this actress had really long dress with a tail, so she will move the tail of the dress so they could imitate that with a lizard. And then they showed the animation, and of course, it's the, the censored, uh, <laughs> you know, label. <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny. And I remember my sister saying, oh, wow, animation is actually, it's art. And that just stayed with me. And soon later, I was in a, at a library and I saw this big, big book of the art of Disney and I bought it and uh, and I started reading about it and I started learning about the nine old men and how they were trained artists and about the Renaissance and about all the influence they have. So it was much more than I, that just cartoons for me. So, but yeah, it was precisely that tech Savory special that hit me.
0: That's fantastic. And that's, yeah. that's really cool that it was something interesting. particular, because a lot of people, sometimes it is something in particular, and other times it's just the wave after wave of cartoons, and after a while they realize, okay, this is it. So (laughs) you decided, this is what I want to do at 12, you start reading different magazines, reading different books, researching schools. How did you decide that Vancouver Film School was where you wanted to go to school?
1: I didn't even know that animation was a career, that you could study just animation for that. And when I was 16... In high school, they send us to this university fair, and it was at the American Institute in Mexico, which is run by Americans. So half of the fair was Mexican universities, and the other half was American universities. So I went to the American universities, and I remember I asked on the the Art Institute, and I said, hey, do you have anything related to animation? And she told me, yes, of course, we have the career. And I was like, what? Is there (laughs) there a career? (laughs) Savannah College of of art and design was there as well. And so because of that fare, I started researching. But the prices, it was impossible for me to pay. There was no way for my parents to pay that. So what I did instead was uh, I studied graphic design. That was what was reachable for me in Mexico City. So I have a five-year graphic design degree, which I really didn't want to study graphic design, but it was the closest thing. And it was back in college, I met this guy that he told me about Vancouver Film School, that is a one-year intensive. And I was like, okay, that sounds more reasonable. It's only one year that I need to pay. So it's only one, because the expenses is not only the school, it's also your your life, your rent and your food and all that stuff. So I was like, okay, so now now I need the money. And it was in a photography class that a girl told me that she was a model. And I look at her and I was like, nah, because I, I have the concept of, <laughs> of a model, you know, like eight foot tall and super skinny and top mm-hmm. models, right? So I look, at her and I was like, eh, if she can do it, I can do it. Because she was talking how much money she was making, and you i know, like, and I said, that's my entrance. That's how I'm going to get the money. So I became a model. I modeled for two years. Uh, and I was balancing between I was finishing my graphic design degree. And then uh, I kept working and I saved enough money. Because when I contact Vancouver Film School, also another thing, my way in, I thought it was going to be through a scholarship. So I thought, okay, if I'm a real nerd, and if I really apply myself, in school and I get straight A's I'm going to get a scholarship and it's going to be paid off, which was not true at all. Mm -hmm. When I contacted Vancouver Film School, before I had the money and before I started working, what they told me is we don't give any scholarships. So if you want a scholarship, it has to be from your country. You have to find a sponsorship from your own country. So I did went through the, um, there are some government programs, but when I said, they asked me, what do you want to study? I said animation. I'm like, what what is that? Is that into painting or is that into film and I was like a little bit of both so I didn't get it from there and I had to save the money so and also Vancouver Film School also we don't have student loans in Mexico you have to pay it out of pocket which at the end it, it wasn't that bad because I'm not in debt and VFS you have to pay in advance it was just saving 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 until I was able to pay it and after I finished paying it that year, it was an anniversary, and they gave scholarships just after oh, I yes. finished paying it. And I, I I remember telling my father like, "Are you kidding me?" It took me two years, and he was like, "Well, but you're going to enjoy it more." I said, well, I don't want to enjoy it more. What are we talking about? But uh, five years later, they did give me a, a scholarship, and I went back. Oh wow! So yeah. I went in 2007. I studied mm-hmm. classic animation, which was what I really wanted to study because I love 2D animation. I really do. And I, I love those back old days in with The Lion King and Beauty and the Beast. What those artists did was just amazing. And before going there, my father was telling me, you're just wasting your money. Now everything is computers and you still want to study paper and Disney already shut down. So we're, and there is nothing in Mexico, but it's your money. So do whatever you want. <laughs> but I, I really wanted to at least try it once because I really wanted it. And when this scholarship came, they offered me that a six months uh, cg program so i went back and i studied cg but uh but i ended up staying in 2d after all
0: that's great that you did both and i'm yes. really impressed that you stuck with it and you earned the money because you talk to everyone that we've ever spoken to everybody has their own journey and their own thing yes. they have to do and it's never easy And that's just very impressive. They were like, no, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to make a way to do this. So I love that. So, okay, so you studied, you know, you got your graphic design degree. Yeah. And then you studied at Vancouver Film School. So then, how were you able to then get into the field of animation? Like, what was that process like?
1: When I was in, in Canada, the industry, it goes ups and down in the US and in Canada and everywhere. So when I was studying, everybody that graduated in Canada, they got a job. So I was like, oh, okay, so it's going to be easy. And then the industry collapsed. Even my teachers lost their job. And I was like, I can't compete with them. They, they, they are such a great artist. There, there is no way if they need to choose anybody. They're going to choose them. So I went back to Mexico. There was no way for me to stay in Canada and work there. I went back to Mexico where the industry is very small and there was a project with a stand-up comedian that he recorded his jokes from the 80s and I was lucky enough for them to hire me but I was the I did everything myself which VFS taught me how to do everything myself. So I will get the recording and I will do the character design, the storyboard, the animation, the editing and I will delete the animated piece, and I will have two weeks to do an animated joke. But VFS, it's so fast-paced, and what they teach you is to deliver to deliver on time and, and to be efficient. So um, so I was able to manage that for a year and a half until this comedian, he got famous by making his jokes longer and longer and longer. So we reached the point that the jokes were 20 minutes long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the longest I did was 18 minutes and that took me a month. I was able to manage in because... in a month? Yes. Wow. Yes. Don't expect Disney quality, darling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did what I could.
0: And were you able to reuse assets yes Um, as much
1: as i could it was it was flash animation (laughs) yeah it was flash animation and then i I purchased the animate came out then Mm an animate pro came out i purchased a cintiq so i tried to find ways to speed up my process but i reached a point that one of the partners told me hey darling you you can't keep doing this that you're really going to kill yourself so he actually told me you need to quit because they won't understand, like my other partner, he won't understand how much work this means. So I quit, and it was the first time I quit a job, and I'm like, wow well, like I'm I'm lucky to have a job, then what? But every time something happens, something better comes. So you shouldn't be afraid of change. Change is good and something and you need to keep growing. So when I left that job, I worked on a 2D feature film in Mexico on paper, which was exactly what I wanted. And I was really happy. It was for a couple of months because it was at the end of the production but it was a great experience then another movie came along and I also work on that and then I some clients started appearing and I ended up working on advertising which pays really well and then I opened my own boutique so I realized that if I work hard that is going to show up in my check that is not it's not a salary it's how the more you work the more you earn and uh, I did a lot of commercials but then I hit the point that I was on the phone to talking with one of my clients, staring at my Cintiq, trying to finish a storyboard for a toothpaste commercial. And I am like, this is not what I want. I want to tell stories. I want to touch somebody, not just earn money. So the opportunity to going back to VFS came around that time and I took it. And uh, it was great to go back to telling story, designing characters. And, uh, and, and learning CG was really good because it's a very different medium than 2D. And if you tell stories, you need to consider how the work you do, how that is going to affect the next departments. And if you do it yourself, you really understand. Because I had this shot of a clown taking like a rabbit from a hat, and all the fingers will be crashing inside the hat, and I will be fixing the fingers. Like In in 2D, I will already be done with the scene, but, Mm -hmm. but it's different, and everything has to be modeled, not just drawn. So, I really liked it. And again, it was not a good time in Canada when I Went back and in Mexico, I came back. I kept doing um, commercials and until I really decided to come here and I needed to find a way. And I thought uh, the C T N was a good approach. And it was also I have gone to almost all the C T N since they started. But I started as a fan. The first year I was so amazed and I remember I asked Andreas Deja a question and he answered me. I was like, Oh my God, I've been <laughs> touched by. It. God, right, because I, I admire his work so much, and, and meeting Don Bluth in person, and meeting all these artists that I have read about since I was a kid. But it was one year that I came that I realized okay, they're people <laughs> like. <laughs> If I work hard, I just need to work the same amount of hours that they have so I can reach their skills. So in Mexico, another difference is you have to be able to do everything. You have to know how to do backgrounds. You have to know how to animate. You have to know how to design a character if you want to stay employed. It's not a specialization type of work, but if you want to be good, you have to specialize in something. So I was, I asked myself, okay, what do I want? I really love animation meeting but I'm better in story so I should focus on storyboarding and yeah it was one year that I came to the city and decided to meet people and I met uh, Sandra Ravens which was my producer on Dr Goose that is coming up in next April so um she saw how hungry I was and she was joking that I tackle her at the city mm. that day <laughs> did you no I did not <laughs> I didn't, but uh, but she when she introduced me to Penny Fickleman, her partner, uh, my other producer, she told her, oh yeah, Lila tackled me back at the city. <laughs> so I was decided to get a job here, and uh, she saw my portfolio. It wasn't ready yet. And she told me, your work is to TV. I need features, storyboard. And I was like, these are storyboards for me. Like, what do you mean? Because that's Mm -hmm. a lot of times we don't know what they want. We we don't know what they need and what they mean. So I was like, what do they want, right? So I met another guy that he told me, okay, get the arrows out. The arrows are used in TV. They're not using features. Instead of using an arrow, make another pose or or move the camera with the drawing. Uh, Make the aspect ratio feature length not TV length and uh, so he gave me a couple of tips that I used and I always ask for a test I told her give me a test so I can show you what I know today because every day I'm learning so every day I'm growing mm-hmm. so every test that I make is going to be better than the previous one so I always tell them I like doing tests because that's the way of if, if I'm good enough you're hire me if I'm not I'll try it again next time so she gave me a test and I was expecting a script and it was just a log line <laughs> oh, <laughs> like wow, shoot wow. <laughs> But again story is my strength and I did my best and then she emailed me oh, first of all I wrote her email wrong. So it oh bounced gosh. back. <laughs> and then I was like, shoot, what happened? And then I found her on LinkedIn and I realized the last name was wrong. So I emailed her again, didn't hear back, then messaged her through LinkedIn. and I guess she got tired of me. <laughs> oh. So they sent me the test. I sent the test back and she, told, she asked me, hey, are you still in LA? Because I would like you to pitch it. And I said, no, I'm not in LA, but I'll take the plane. Mm-hmm. So she invited me, I, I took the plane, I pitched my board at her home, she introduced me to the director on the movie and and they were almost ready to start. And after that meeting, I, I stepped out of that meeting and I was like, this really happened. Mm. It wasn't for sure yet but uh but it went great and I just stayed positive that I'm getting that job like they're they're going to hire me and it did happen but when she called me to offer me the job she told me I can guarantee you five months because that's how we start and if it gets picked up then we're going to move forward but if not I can only I want to be very honest with you and I said I'll take it and I thought as long as I'm in LA I'll knock the other doors but I, I need to put my foot in L.A. And I worked there for a year and a half before going into The Simpsons. And now I'm on American Dad. So uh, so everything has been working out.
0: Wow. That is amazing. <laughs> and we need to unpack that because that there's... <laughs> That is so interesting. You're, I think you're the first person I've ever talked to who pitched their board at the producer's house oh. in front of the director. That is amazing. And you you mentioned CTN, which I'm so glad that you did because a lot of people know about CTN. But I just wanted to find out from you. How did you find out about CTN? Did you find that out through Vancouver Film School or no. visiting LA?
1: Honestly, I don't even remember how. I. But mm-hmm. I kind of read about it online and there was no information whatsoever there was (laughs) like it was so green the first year it was i think 2009 but then i read they were going to have don bluth and i love the secret of and i was like Mm -hmm. i need to see this guy live like i i need just and i honestly I decided to come to the CTN because Don Bluth was going to be there. And I missed that lecture. Because, oh, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. But, I, but I met him in person. I met his son. I bought his DVDs. Uh, I, I listened to Andreas Deja, it was amazing. I The first guy I saw drawing was Tony Bancroft. And um, watching those artists draw live and explain to you all their experiences was great. And the first year for me has always been the best because it mm. the expo keeps growing. So it's harder to get access now to that much time or it was more casual before. But yeah, I did read it online. Now they have a lot of advertising everywhere and uh, on the webpage it's better. And now they record the lectures. Uh, so it's, it's improving every time, but it's a great event. And also the uh, small events that they have at the Center Stage Gallery, I also I have attended a couple. And uh, it's important to stay in touch with the industry. And you always get something out of those lectures, at least one tip that mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. uh, use in your work.
0: Does Mexico have something equivalent to CTN or any sort of animation conventions or festivals or anything like that?
1: There was, back in the 90s, there was a big one called uh, Conque, and now they they brought it back. That is for comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the big one, and it's still, it's still very big. But now there is a new one. It's called Pixelato, and they started right the year that I moved here. Hmm. so they what they focus is trying to I believe is helping the animators and storytellers over there to pitch their stories to the studios over here so they're doing their best and every year they are growing I met the organizer I just met him last October this year here in LA so I have his contact now that will be the closest thing to the CTN, I I believe
0: Okay. okay that's really good and I wanted to find out from you too so when you know when Penny and when Sandra told you too much like television we wanted to be more like feature and mm-hmm. you said that you went and you talked to different people yeah besides aspect ratio and taking out arrows as well what were some other things that you learned that you would recommend to other people who are wanting to do feature boards as well
1: I believe they hired me because I brought my own voice to that pitch because if they give you a log line how can you make it entertaining so that has to be your focus and if you want to i met paul briggs and he told me that like what disney wants is you have to show them that you think like a writer that you are a storyteller more than a draftman. you have to show them that that you can tell stories because that's Storyboarding is, is about telling the story. And that's what I showed on the feature test that I did. So that will be my advice for somebody that wants to break into feature is show them that you can plus the story, that you can plus the acting and, and fix the holes in the story because that's what you're going to be doing. In TV is different. In TV, it, and it depends on the show. There are shows that are script driven and there are shows that are uh, more board driven and log line. But yeah, it's about the story skin. Very
0: good. So then, so you work on Duck, Duck, Goose.
1: Oh, Mm -hmm. another thing. Mm -hmm. Another tip they gave me. They told me, If you want to go into TV, it has to be very clean on model because a lot of studios they send, now they are skipping the layout stage. So the boards are more like layouts because in overseas, they're going to use that as their key poses even. So they told me, if you want to go to TV, it has to be very clean. And I met people and they told me, no, my boards, they have to be very, very clean and very on model and in feature they want them loose because you're you're still figuring out the story so most of the stuff that you're going to do is going to get cut and is going to be rewritten so don't waste your time on that and besides features most likely are going to be CG so the model really doesn't matter so yeah and also there are filters in these studios so maybe somebody that has no idea about the process they're just used to see rough boards and if your board arrives clean even if you're a good storyteller it's not like the things they are used to see so they're just going to say oh no this is too tv Mm -hmm. even if it's cinematic they're just going to think of it as to tv so yeah one another tip was
0: keep it loose that's hmm. actually really good to know, because that's something that I've been wondering about. And we've had people ask that and responses, not sure. <laughs> so that's <laughs> okay. that's really good to know, especially about, you know, keeping things rough versus keeping things clean. So then, so you work on the feature and then once you're done with the feature, how did you then go about transitioning into television? Well,
1: again, Networking. I was at the animation celebration that takes place at Culver City and David Silverman gave a talk and I was showing my work to a friend of mine. I was pitching it to him and I was still employed, but I was, I already knew we were wrapping up and I needed to get another job. And uh, I was pitching it to a friend of mine and David Silverman was really close to me and he saw my work and he said, oh, that's really good. And I said, oh, actually, actually, I'm I'm looking for a job. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, oh, maybe I think we are looking. So. So I hunt him down on LinkedIn and uh, he gave me, he was very nice, he gave me the uh, production manager email. I got the test and, and I got the job. I was very lucky. And what you need to know when you are applying for a job is you really need to know the show. Because if you deliver something that is different than their voice, they're not going to hire you. So I grew up watching The Simpsons. I was very familiar with mm-hmm. the show. But still I watched several episodes when I was doing my board to study their how they use the camera, how they do the reveals, how and and that's what helped me. And also American Dad is a very different show. The way the camera is just different, the staging is different, the acting is different. So I can't give them something that looks like Simpsons because it's not Simpsons. So a lot of the problems is that they teach you at school, they teach you this is how things are done, like do broad comedy. And sometimes the show that you're applying is not like that. Maybe it's BB and Butthead, maybe it's King of the Hill, maybe it's The Loud House. So you really need to know, like The Loud House is like Charlie Brown, is, uh, and you have to know how to place those many characters into one shot because there's so many sisters, but they treat them like a one character. So yeah. you have all the sisters together, and then you have um, the boy, and then you have whatever the situation is so every show has their own language and you really need to study wherever you want to work and wherever you're applying okay
0: so then when you were on the simpsons i'm always curious about you know legacy shows that have been around for a while was it really really cool or really intimidating the first week that you're there going i'm on the show now that (laughs) i've been watching since i was a child
1: it was both it was both because I I couldn't believe I was on The Simpsons and I could I I still can't believe that show has been lasted that long that I watched when when I was a kid and now I'm... <laughs> so it's insane. It was wonderful working there. They have so much talented people there, but you have to keep up with the pace of that show. And a lot of times, what happens is those type of shows that have been there forever. For American Dad, is going to be fifteen years now. The people that work there, they already know all the rules and sometimes they think you already know them but it's tiny things like how to place the eyes or how to use the brow and and what type of expressions are allowed or not so you just need to find somebody to tell you the tricks like hey how how do I do this or are are there any lectures are there anything that I can read Mm -hmm. so you can keep up with the pace but it was it was incredible just to be there and also an American that it, it's such a great experience
0: that's great and for people mm-hmm. that are like you who maybe they went from feature to tv do you have any tips for keeping up with that pace since it's such a more break it pace? was
1: yeah it was insane because I moved from doing two pages maybe four to do 17 mm-hmm. or to do I, I do 12 now but now it's more clean. So, I mean, storyboarding is going to be hard no matter where you are. But I was trained in TV in Vancouver Film School because that's what they have. They don't have that many features. So what they taught me there is you have to deliver on time no matter what. So manage your time properly. If you don't know how, learn. I did purchase this uh, time management book and it's as simple as write a list and divide your big task in smaller steps and just cross them over when you're done and that way it keeps you sane because it's so much work and sometimes you feel that you're not moving forward but if you have a little it's like okay okay I've been done I'm like I'm this far Mm -hmm. so that really helps me and also in features you can be more creative you have more time to massage your board to go and research and act it out and improve the story but in, in TV you have to get it done because it's going to go overseas and it has to come back so and and there's so many people involved. It's a much more faster pace, and a lot of feature people just can't adapt to TV because it's too much work. They do have the talent. It's just they just need to find how to work in a TV environment. You know how crazy it is in, yeah. in TV.
0: It actually amazes me how quickly everything gets done. Because yeah. For for our show, you know, the writers get so many weeks, and then the board artists get six weeks. The designers get two weeks. Yeah. The color stylist gets a week and that doesn't change so if one episode has 30 characters or if it has 80 characters they still get two weeks
1: or you will have a montage and uh yeah there was one show Mm -hmm. that we had like four montages in one show Mm -hmm. and it was like it was crazy Mm -hmm. but as long as it's clear Mm is get it done it could be better yes but get it done that's Mm -hmm. like that's the ruling tv also what i learned from feature is i was taught you have to get it done and you can't say no to anybody that's how they trained me over there. And when I was working in features, everybody was late except me. <laughs> <laughs> oh <man. laughs> But their boards were so much better because they invested more time. And that was my mistake, not to taking more time. Because like, I I need, I have only this amount of time. I need to finish it. But the quality will improve with more time. The more time you put into a piece, the better it will be. That's for sure. But studying in Canada and working in Mexico, in Mexico, you have a budget and that's it. If you're out of it, that's it. You don't have a movie. You don't have a TV. You don't have anything. Mm -hmm. And here... They ask for more money. I don't know where the money comes <laughs> from, but, yeah. but they can sometimes, it depends where you work, sometimes the deadlines are not as harsh um. as others. So um, in future, quality is more important than being fast. As mm-hmm. long as your boards are good, mm-hmm. that's what is more important, okay. even if you take a little bit more time. That was something I learned that I didn't know.
0: That's good to know. Yeah, because I would just assume, no, but it's done on time. It's fine, you know? So that's interesting where it's like, that's no, okay to ask for. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Are there ways to ask for more time so that you can have better quality rather than just telling them, I need more time? Like, were there certain ways that people would ask or would like phrase Well. That? You can't be
1: late all the time, mm-hmm. you know, because you're going to get fired. <laughs> as simple as that. But yeah, if you think, hey, you know, I think it's going to take me two more days, they're going to be fine, but you have to speak up. And it can be the night before. It, it, mm-hmm. You have to plan ahead and, and you say, and the more experience you have, like I've heard artists is you know, I'm going to need three more days. Like this sequence in particular, it needs more time. So as long as you have good communication with production and as long as you have good production people that understand the process, it will be fine. And it all depends on the project. In TV, you really don't have that room. I don't think you have that room because it's going to cost more money to the production and and you have an air date and you can't move that. This so is true. Yeah. Because then
0: things back up in post and... You don't want it to back up in post because their day is set. They don't get extra time. So if you tell them, oh, it's going to be a week late, it's like, oh, what are you doing to them? Yes. Yeah. So then how did you go from Simpsons to American Dad? Like, was that networking as well? Or was that, how did that work out?
1: It's the same company. Mm -hmm. They run like two different studios, but I was on hiatus on The Simpsons and I was chatting with this guy on American Dad and he told me a position up and on for storyboard and I just, uh, I think I needed to change uh, to, because uh, there was a lot of movement on Simpsons and uh, either I moved to character layout and I would have been going back and forth from character layout to storyboard to uh, keep myself employed, but I made the decision of staying on storyboarding I did ask for a character layout test, but then when I got it, it wasn't really for me. I really like having the script and doing that from scratch. So this opportunity came, and I did a test for American that when I was stealing features, looking for a job, and when I heard that there was a position open, I called them up and they told me, you know, your board was kind of hard to read. I think I gave the wrong format or something. So I asked them, can you give me another test? So I did two tests. American that it was the second one that got me the job so that's another thing if you improve call back the studio and ask for another test show them what you have now and you're going to get more no's that you have yes but you just need one person to open the door for you
0: mm-hmm.
1: and just keep trying
0: how have you been able to persevere and to keep trying and to not get discouraged I
1: love it. I really, really love it. I think we all artists, we all have self-doubt and we're all insecure in our art because you're always growing. I think you need somebody to lift you up when you're down because you're going to be down a lot of times but when i feel down i have a friend of mine he's a sound designer so i call him and he lifts me up when he's down i he calls me <laughs> and i lift him up and i have uh, i have my boyfriend and i have uh, friends so and you have to do the same for other people and sometimes also when i'm lost i go back and i watch a disney film i watch snow white i watch pinocchio i watch uh, tarzan so that makes me remember why am i here and what i want to do and why i love love it so much and also I go to Disneyland <laughs> when I stress out just stepping into that place it's so full like the energy is great and and it's so full of storytelling everywhere yes yeah, it's, it's keep yourself find what makes you happy and and just raise your spirit again or or listen to a good song that you like I like musicals so that always lifts my spirit and I, I really love it and I want to see how far I go so yeah, I'm I'm down a lot of times, especially I'm here by myself, like all oh, my family is in Mexico and I couldn't go on Christmas and I was so I was the Grinch this Christmas, like feeling really, like ah <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it was part of the sacrifice I, I needed to go to pursue career and what I love the call that I have. But if you decide to go into animation, I listened to a panel with Nick Ranieri, he said you really need to love it, and he's right because a lot of times it's very frustrating but you can't do anything else I try thinking like okay what else can I do in my life and no th- this is me
0: there's no plan B this is the. Plan. there is, is no the
1: plan, plan B plan. Yeah. I mean maybe the plan B will move into I don't know character layout or background right. design or character design but everything in animation right yeah.
0: Well, speaking of animation, it sounds like you have such history in the animation industry, both in feature and TV. I know some of our previous guests, like Chris Wimberly, his heart is in TV. He's a TV animator, even though he works in feature Hmm. as well. How about you? Is your heart in feature or TV?
1: Honestly, I like them both. They're different. What I like on feature is uh, it's a very solid story. That the craft that you get out of that, it's, uh, you can match that in TV. You don't have that money. You don't have that time. It's not about the talent. That's something that is wrong. That's something that people think TV artists are less talented. That's not true. But sometimes with features, I didn't know how hard it is to make a movie and how easy it can be cancelled. And so many artists, like, yeah, I worked three years in this and I can't show anything. Just by finishing it is a great reward. And in TV, it's like, oh, there's my name. Oh, there's my name again. There's my name again. (laughs) (laughs) You have something that you know is going to get done. Whatever you're working, you know is going to make. I mean, a lot of your work maybe is going to be rewritten or cut or whatever, but the show is going to be out. And the movie, no matter what studio, big or small, because there is more money involved, there's more people involved, involved and there's more opinions and it's really hard to balance i don't know i think i hope i I can be one of those artists that go back and forth Mm -hmm. because i like them both but i admire both type of artists
0: that is cool and i'm really curious too about your perception of what the animation industry was going to be like when you were in mexico working in mexico city having your own studio versus what it was like when you moved here and you were actually in it was oh. it pretty much in alignment with what you thought or was oh, i it thought very
1: different i thought it was going to be perfect i thought it was going to be a perfectly oiled machine because it's hollywood and they have been doing this for 90 years 100 years and it's not the case <laughs> <laughs> what i didn't expect in feature I had the idea that, like, I love Tim Burton, I love Guillermo del Toro, I love directors that they have their own voice, and I thought that was the case everywhere, but when you have so many investors and and so many executives, and they want to pitch in, and the directors, they have to find a balance, how to please the story, but at the same time, how to, because at the end, this is a business, and you have to think of your audience, and we are not making this for artists that understand art and and that's it. We're making entertainment. So you have to find a balance. And I didn't know how many opinions are involved when you are trying to develop a movie and how much it changed on the way. I was not expecting... The higher the hierarchy you are, the more stressful it is, but big time. Because we, as artists, sometimes there are a lot of artists, because I run my own boutique, I know what is to be a producer in a, in a tiny, tiny type of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I understand them. I understand what it is to deal with clients, to deal with contracts, and to deal with artists, and, and to deal with both sides. So sometimes artists do not understand how hard it is for production people to do all the calendars and and to keep the the machine going on. I didn't know... Glenkin almost got a heart attack with tangles, so it's mm-hmm. so much stress I was not I mean I, I thought it was going to be stressful but not that much mm-hmm. I realize there are messy productions are like in Mexico but they're also great productions that they just run very well on machines and that's that's where you want to be mm-hmm. the, to keep yourself sane as an artist you have to be able to adapt from one production to another and even I thought okay if you join one company it's going to be one way of thinking, no matter what show you're at or no matter what movie you're working. And that's not the case. Every movie is going to be a different experience. Every director is different. Every production team is different. And even on a TV show that has been established, every director is going to ask for a different thing. So you need to be able to understand the people that you're working for and give them what they need and mm-hmm. what they want.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that because that's something that I didn't know either until I started working. I just assumed it Nickelodeon, I just thought, oh, it's all Nickelodeon. Yeah, so exactly. So everything will be the same. It'll be like this cool little assembly line of shows and it is, but also they're different shows and everybody's coming from different studios too. So everything's run yes. differently based on what school they went to, what other studio they were at, what other show they've been on, their own personality, whoever they're Crew is—it's not just oh, it's the studio. So the show is also like the show is also like the show. So I'm glad you bring that up because it is true. And then also speaking of differences too, I was very curious in finding out from you what your experience has been like here in the states, like what you thought it would be like working in the states or working in Canada versus what it actually is. Like anything that surprised you, or nope, this is exactly the same. This is what I expected. I don't know.
1: Again, I love it so much. (laughs) uh, When I was in VFS, they told me this is going to be the hardest year of your life. And it was kind of true because you basically live in the school and you learn how to sleep on the floor while you're rendering. But sometimes production can be very tough as well. I mean, I don't spend all-nighters anymore, but sometimes it is a lot of work. I didn't know how much work it was going to be honestly. I thought it was going to be a little bit less. And then again, it depends. It's not only depends on the show, there are times that you will have a lot of work, Mm -hmm. and you have to get it done, and there are times that you can cool down a little. And every time that you have that time off, really take it because you have to recover your energies for the crunch time. Because there's always going to be crunch time, and there's going to be periods that in features when they are rewriting, you can have, okay, I'm just waiting for the next script. So yeah, make good use of your free time
0: keep yourself refreshed so that you can work on your own personal projects or just spend time with friends or just go out and not constantly be in the grind of animation?
1: Okay, storyboarding takes a lot of your brain power. A lot. Almost all of it. So when I had a lot of work on The Simpsons, I would go back home and I would still be thinking, how can I solve that scene? And I couldn't go to sleep because my brain wouldn't shut up. So I started playing video games on my phone, like Candy Cross Saga, like the <laughs> really stupid silly games with colors that just, just put this color here. Mm-hmm. So that it's so relaxing that my brain will shut down. Like it's a, such a stupid game that my brain will shut down. And because my brain shut down, then I'm able to go to sleep. I do meditation. That helps me a lot. What meditation helps me is to realize if I get into a problem, can I fix it? or I can't. So instead of just freaking out, I have my feet on the ground and like, okay, I can do what I can do. So I meditate when I can but to working on my own projects I do that in the morning before I hit my work and everybody's different. I'm a morning person. I'm completely, I'm like a cell phone, like you charge my battery (laughs) at night and I'm ready to go. And the end of the day, my brain is fried and I, I can't work at all. So I will work maybe two hours, three if I can in my own Thing I will write my own thing, or draw, or practice um, life drawing, or learn whatever topic I'm learning. I do that in the morning before I go to work because if I start working, then I will be working all day because I I feel that oh I can still fix this and I can still fix that and I won't allow myself time for myself. So. I try to work in the morning, then go to my work, and then I exercise late at night. And I try to take the classes, like Zumba class or kickboxing or something that has a schedule. So I have to get out of the studio. like, okay, the class is going to start. I need to get out. Mm -hmm. That's the way of tricking myself. Like, okay, I need time for myself and time for my health. And You have to find a balance because the work is so demanding that you can be working nonstop. But first of all, your work is not going to be as good. You have to take breaks. Also, in the middle of the day, go for a walk. If you get stuck, go for a walk, go for a 15 minute walk or a 10 minute walk or, or whatever, get out of the building, whatever works for you. There's people that they bring their, their Switch, Nintendo or whatever works for you. So yeah, I'm a morning person. That's what works for me.
0: And what are some of the personal projects that you're currently working on? If you can talk about them.
1: Uh, well, I have um, back in Mexico, a friend of mine, we worked together on a feature film and uh, and we work criticizing the people we used to work with or, or how the industry <laughs> was run. And I told him, hey, why, why don't we do our own stories. If we, are, if we are so good to criticize, why don't we don't let some other people criticize us? So we are very different. And that's why we, we are such a great team. Because my brain doesn't work like his. And I won't come up with his ideas. And he won't come up with my ideas. So So we are a good match. So I have meetings with him on Saturdays. And so we are working on two picture books. We have some three shows that we want to pitch. But we're still working on the character design and polishing the story and the another thing is we we work on something and then strangers things came out and you're like no it's too <laughs> similar <laughs> so it's like okay so what do we do now oh,
0: <laughs> do
1: and that, is, it, that <laughs> is going to happen yeah. you can be working on, on something for years and something very similar will come up and they will think you steal from them so that project is on the shelf right now because we don't know what to do with it. But uh, the thing is, they're not ready yet, but I can say that they are fantasy-driven, and the picture books are for a very young audience. One is for a very young audience, and the other one is kind of dark. It deals with a girl in a coma, so we need to find how to measure that, how to tell the story without freaking out kids, but at the same time, telling the story. Yeah, it's a, it's
0: a but that's a hard yeah. line. That's interesting, though. It's like, we want Want to tell like this really deep story? I hear you about Stranger Things. I was working on a project and then saw another show. And went, okay, well maybe not. <laughs> maybe oh, I'll do you something too. a little bit different. But that can be a good thing because then it just it forces you to be creative. It's like, all right, so since this is already here, what else can I be doing?
1: Yeah, and you have, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're not just one idea, Mm -hmm. right? So there are projects that take, I mean, Loud House was one of a kind. Normally things, they don't get picked up that quickly. Mm -hmm. That was impressive what happened with that project. But it was the right project, the right time, like everything worked out. But sometimes Phineas and Ferb, I believe they took them 15 years to sell that show. Yeah,
0: it took 10 years and then when it ended for Milo Murphy's law, it took uh, I think six months. So they were just like, Hmm. oh, Okay, so sometimes it takes 10 years, sometimes it takes a
1: couple years Yeah, you, you never know. Sometimes
0: it's a drawing on a napkin. You don't know when it's going
1: to be. And also you don't know how the audience is going to react. I went to a writer's panel and there were these writers from Bob's Burger And they said, oh, this is going to be a good six months gig and it's been going on for nine years or six years or whatever. And they were, they were shocked. They didn't know it was going to be a huge hit. Same thing with uh, Rick and Morty. You can't predict what the audience wants to So you have to focus on something that pleases you and and hopefully the audience will like it as well. But if you start your story on what can sell, that is going to be wrong since the beginning. What's hot right now no
0: well see that's the other thing too because it might be hot right now but animation takes so long that by the time it actually gets made it's no longer gonna be hot Yeah. like I always I think of animated films that always end in like dance sequences to whatever the current pop song is and I think that's not gonna last in like a year or two this is already old
1: yes I I prefer type of stories that are timeless Mm -hmm. that they're not I mean pop culture it's going to work when the movie comes out, but then how is the audience going to look at it 10 years from now? Like, mm-hmm. you look Snow White and I went to El Capitan to watch it in, in the big screen and listening to the little kids laughing on Dopey and stuff, I was like wow, it's still, this got made 80 years ago and it's still touching people. Mm-hmm. I think that is more valuable than just making money right now. Mm-hmm. So, but it's for everybody. I also, I enjoy uh Bears that uh, they use the, the cell phone and the social media and I love it now I don't know how that is going to be looked at in, in several years but it also works mm-hmm. and, and it's a lovely show the feature people that i work worked with they say they, there is this joke that they tell a joke and they wait four years to see if people is going to
0: laugh or not <laughs> yeah yeah. well we think it's funny now and hopefully they will too yeah. in the far off future <laughs> cool so I'm always curious as well if you could go back in time and tell younger Leela, you know, who's watching cartoons, Uh is there any advice that you would give to her that you feel like would have helped you as you were going along on your journey towards becoming a professional?
1: Yeah, I was always in a rush. I'm still in a rush. Like I I want things now and I want to be successful now and I'm very hungry. Mm -hmm. And also for me, graphic design, I still feel like I wasted five years of my life starting something Mm -hmm. that I didn't really want it, but I had no other choice. So when I came back from VFS, I was like, okay, I need to get a job so I can see if I can survive as an animator in Mexico City or not. And if the answer is not, I need to figure out something else because I can't live with my parents all my life. No matter how much I love animation, if, if my country doesn't allow it, then what? Right now, if I were that age right now, right now there are a lot of resources out there that I didn't have before. You have this type of podcast that you listen to the professionals and you listen how the industry runs and all. This is very valuable. Like really listening to professionals that work and what they have to say is going Old and we didn't have that before. And now there's so many online classes. If I could go back in time today, I will tell myself to take it slowly, to take one year just to polish my skills. Right now I'm subscribed to, I think it's creatureartteacher.com, the Aaron Blaze classes, oh, okay. the new Masters Academy, and also the masterclass.com. So whenever I find time, I will watch a video here and there. And I just finished a storyboarding class on CGMA. But I don't have the time to keep growing. Like, I, I scratch the time that I have left. But mm-hmm. if I could just stop just one year to really polish my skills in drawing, in perspective, in storytelling, starting film, read up. Uh, there's so many books. That's the advice I will tell myself. Because if you do that, you will be a stronger artist when you knock on the door. Instead of having so many doors closing on, on you, they're going to be open easier because you come more prepared. So just take it slowly. I know there are a lot of success stories out there. Like Seth MacFarlane said, uh, he sold Family Guy when he was 26 or 23. But those are few cases <laughs> so don't compare yourself to somebody else's story you have your own road I had mine I didn't go to I wish I, I was born in the states I wish I had a rich parent I wish I have gone to Cal Arts and everything would have been easier maybe but at least I did it I, I found my own way so everybody has their own way and whatever advice I give to get into the industry maybe it's not going to work for you because the industry changed because right now they they want fantasy or right now they want something more real life-like. So just find your own way. And the advice is it's going to be okay. <laughs> don't give up. Work hard. Yeah. But also study a lot because everybody tells you practice, practice, practice. Yes, it is important. But if you don't have the knowledge, no matter how much you draw, they're not going to be that good. Mm-hmm. But now with the, for example, I studied Glenvilpo, right? But there was something, it wasn't my brain, it wasn't clicking. And then I took one class with Carl and I was like, that's it. I'm going to start with the torso. That's how I need to draw. I need to start with the torso and then I will figure it, everything else out because that's my story. And I can't start from the head like Glenvilpo does, mm-hmm. but that's how he Ross, and for me, Carl Gnaz was a better way of doing it. Or oh, Steve Houston, he also has another way of teaching, and everybody will teach like everybody's afraid of perspective. Take many courses, take a, as many teachers a, as you can, and somebody will explain it to you in a way that you can understand. Mm-hmm. So don't feel that you're stupid and don't feel that something is not working. Just find another teacher and it will click at some point. But yeah, slow down and learn and practice, not just practice, but learn.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. I know uh, I heard Chris Oatley mention once that people just want to move the pencil around. Yes. They just want that pencil mileage. It's like sometimes you just have to to put the pencil down and just read something yeah and that makes complete sense it can be hard to do though i hear you when you're talking about you just want to get into it as soon as you can and it's like it's a long road is there anything else that we haven't asked you that you would like to share i always like to give people an opportunity if there's any other stories they have or any words of wisdom that they're just dying to get out there
1: i met raul garcia in mexico he's a former disney animator a director now I wanted to move out on Mexico City and it was easier for me to move to Spain and he's a Spaniard, so I asked him, so shall I go to Spain instead? And he told me, well, there's nothing in Spain right now. So Spain is dead in animation. Right now It's different, but back then it wasn't. And I asked him how hard it is to go to LA and he told me very hard. And uh, I will say that it is very hard, that he was right, but it's not impossible. If I could do it, If I'm here with all my background, anybody can do it. Everything that you want is going to cost something. So you have to be willing to pay that price. But any skill that you need is learnable. Just find a book, find the class. If you are an introvert, take improv classes, take speaking in public courses. If you don't know how to manage your time, learn how to, learn how to sell. Like everything that you can learn, you can use it. So because a lot of people get discouraged and I will tell them there's going to be a lot of no's and you're going to cry a lot every time that you get a no and you're going to think that you stink and that you will never make it. But keep trying keep learning keep growing and keep going one last question
0: do you think you'll ever have another boutique like what you had when you were in mexico city because that actually is fascinating to me that you had your own company yes finding your own clients and
1: doing your own yes i don't know the thing is i i'm more of an artist than i'm a manager i'm good in production. I think I'd rather work with a big team to make things that are going to reach more people than what I can do by myself. I tried it because it was not much about of a choice, but about survival. At least not right now. I really like working with people that are more talented than me, that are wiser than me, and I I still want to learn from them. Maybe if the industry collapses again, which I don't want. Maybe I'll end up doing that as a lot of people that I know do. I think, no, I wouldn't run a boutique again. I would rather move into publishing and writing and being a creator, writing a graphic novel, mm. uh, picture books. I'd rather be on the creator side than on a management side. So yeah, I try it. I learn from it. But for me, it's about creating stuff, not just about earning money and running people.
0: Very cool so Lila where can people find you online
1: well there's my webpage that is lilastory.com and uh, they can always send me an email from there
0: well great well it has been an absolute delight having you on the show today thank you so much for sharing your stories and encouraging people and this has just been fantastic so, oh it Lila, was a
1: pleasure for me thank you so much for inviting me and for doing this it's helpful for everybody
0: And that concludes today's episode. Special thanks to Leela for being a wonderful guest, and make sure to check out all of the links to her websites in the show notes. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review in iTunes. All of your reviews help more people to find out about the show. And you can also support the show by visiting www.theanimatedjourney.com and clicking on the PayPal donation button on the right hand side. All of your donations help to pay for the technical costs associated with producing the show. And a big thank you to everyone who has donated. We truly appreciate it. And to see what else is going on in the world of animation, make sure to check out the Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash as well as our Tumblr page, www.theanimatedjourney.tumblr.com. And on Twitter and Instagram, the handle is at animjourney. And to see what Jeff has been up to lately, you can visit his website, www.jeffbot.com. That's j e-f b-o-t.com. On Tumblr, the site is jeffbot.tumblr.com. On Twitter, the handle is at jeffbot. And on Instagram, the handle is at shootsee. And that's S-H-O-O-T-Z-E-E. And to see what I've been up to lately, you can visit my website, www.sketchysoul.com. On Tumblr, the site is sketchysoul.tumblr.com. And on Instagram and Twitter, the handle is at sketchysoul. So thank you to everyone for listening. And until next time, be encouraged and have a great day, everybody.